election fraud. You know the thing that the mainstream media and big tech says doesn't exist? We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. Many of you are sitting here because you're wanting to know what the plan is. This has to be peaceful. We have the right to peacefully assemble. Ask God if you should step into the gap and become a part of the plan. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. If you're waiting for others to do the work for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host today, Ash Epp, and that new intro is fire. It is so good. Uh, I am so happy to be with you guys today. This weekend was kind of insane uh, out here in Colorado, and news coming out of other states shows that it was equally as, as insane there. And um, I, uh, I hope everybody has texted Freedom to 89517 and gets the daily story that we're doing. Uh, this, this daily story, uh, I, I also put the, the daily letter to Congress on my site, ashinamerica.com, called the Daily Redress, Redress of Grievances. We are sending letters to Congress every single day, uh, redressing our grievances and asking them to take action. And uh, today's is all about what we're going to talk about. And so if you have not yet texted freedom to 89517 please do so you will get notified when we go live for the show but you'll also get updated content from us periodically including those daily facts blasts so today we are going to talk about maricopa county arizona over the weekend gateway pundit reported that the identities of the people who deleted the records uh the election records prior to handing them over to auditors that the identity of those people has been released so we're going to get into that um to to remind the audience when when uh, cyber ninjas led by Doug Logan and Ben Cotton and the other experts did the Maricopa County audit they were obstructed every step of the way uh, the and as you'll see in this in this uh, in this article we're about to pull up the um, the officials have admitted to the deletion of these records and now we know who did it so we're going to talk about that we're also going to talk about what's going on with carrie lake she claims she has evidence and and people in arizona are freaking out about it can't imagine why so we're going to talk about that as well and then of course we're going to talk about el paso county uh this weekend was was really something to behold we've got pictures we've got videos we've got anecdotes uh it's going to be a great show so uh really happy to have you guys with us and let's go ahead and get started. So if you could pull up A1, please, Mr. Producer, you'll see this is the, the article I referenced that came out yesterday from Gateway Pundit. Breaking bombshell presentation reveals identities of Maricopa County election employees who deleted files from election server before Maricopa County audit. And if we jump over the next one, we the People Arizona Alliance hosted an election security forum in Maricopa County on Saturday featuring testimony from expert witnesses and state legislators. 
This informational hearing, moderated by investigative journalist Lair Logan, presented evidence of fraud in the 2020 presidential election and addressed the concerns in the 2022 elections. The hearing also featured a bombshell testimony revealing exactly who in Maricopa County deleted subpoenaed 2020 election files before delivery to Arizona Senate auditors. The county, let me just reread that part. Who in Maricopa County deleted this next word's real important, subpoenaed 2020 election files before delivery to the Senate, to the Arizona Senate auditors, the auditors that were appointed by the Senate. These files were subpoenaed, they were required to be delivered, and instead of delivering them, they, uh, they deleted them. The county was clearly hiding something. As we reported earlier, Lara dropped a bomb on stage, revealing that the Biden regime is now giving Social Security numbers to illegals at the border. Uh, that was a bit of an aside, I guess. Uh, so going on to the, next, to the next cut here, I just want to get the, the points out and we'll talk about it. Federal law requires these files to be kept for 22 months. Maricopa County officials previously admitted that these files were deleted in a congressional hearing, but later walked it back and said that the files were archived. This was one of the many law violations discovered by the Arizona Audit and other Maricopa County 2020 election investigations. Gateway Pundit previously reported on the footage of the individuals deleting the files, but their identities were redacted from the public to maintain confidentiality. How nice for them, right? On Saturday, it was revealed by Van Bieber, Van Bieber, Van Bieber, that Maricopa County Election Database Administrator Brian Ramirez was granted unauthorized entry to the server room on multiple occasions, multiple occasions, and he deleted the files. You can pull that down. All right, so this guy, Brian, database administrator for uh, Maricopa County Elections. He's been with Maricopa County Elections, according to his LinkedIn profile, for eight years and three months. He, prior to that, was a youth basketball coach. So for the past eight years and three months, he's been doing Maricopa County elections. Uh, in his interests, and I don't think we have this cut, but on his LinkedIn, in his interests, it has uh, Federal Bureau of Investigations as one of his key interests and um, Runbeck Election Services. Runbeck, uh, obviously very popular in the state of Arizona. Uh, you can pull up A4. You guys can all see Ramirez here. Again, database administrator in Maricopa County Elections. Went to DeVry University in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and as, as I said, he's, you can pull that down. As I said, he's been, uh, he's been working in elections for the past eight years. So this guy reportedly did not have the right credentials to access the secure room. It's also statutory requirement that you have two people in there, that you don't have one person alone doing stuff to the machines. Um, and that is, that's, that's not what happened. Sorry, my mouse is getting squirrely here. Um, so, uh, so, so let's pull, let, let's pick up the article again at A5, Mr. Producer. This is a quote uh, from what we from from what went down at this Arizona event. 
So basically, you have Brian, that's Ramirez, entering the server room. And remember, I told you he does not have badge access. We the people actually collected server room logs from Maricopa. So I went through all this video footage and matched it with the logs. What you see is Brian has Passarelli's card in the server room, and he also has Charge Cooley's badge as well. Now, Passarelli is the elections over uh, elections director for Maricopa County. Lair Logan then says, so Brian is accessing the server room using the identities and cards of other people? Maricopa County, and then the, the, that's the end of that quote, and then the article continues, Maricopa County policies also require two people in the server room when someone is using the keyboard video monitor. However, Brian was alone on multiple occasions. And then for the audio audience, it shows a picture of the statute and says, it is the county elections policy to require two people in the server room whenever someone is using the server room keyboard video monitor. And if we jump to the next picture, which is uh, A6. There he is. So that's Brian Ramirez using the keyboard monitor in the room alone by himself after he got in that room using someone else's credentials. It's really something. So what I want to remind people of is the uh, Mesa County. Well, what have we seen in Mesa County? So in Mesa County, uh, the second that Jenna Griswold, Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, and you know, in the, the, these are the two darlings of the cabal in Colorado. We have Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. In um, in Arizona, they have Katie Hobbs. And uh, over the weekend, MSNBC had both Jenna Griswold and Katie Hobbs on to re reassure the public about the the strength and, and integrity of our current election system and defend mail-in ballots and, and drop boxes, and Jenna Griswold bragged that she's expanded drop boxes in Colorado by 65%. That's, that's what we're dealing with with these people. Um, but back to Mesa County. So the second Jenna Griswold learned that there were forensic images that had been taken, immediately Tina Peters was a criminal. Uh, there was no investigation to find out what was done. It was an immediate press conference saying she had leaked passwords. They later walked that back. And uh, now she is accused, for those who haven't followed terribly closely, Tina Peters is accused of um, allowing someone unauthorized access into a locked room um, where the machines are. So in Maricopa, the guy that was allowed into the locked room, well, let me do Mesa first. In Mesa, the, uh, and this is uh, allegedly, I have no idea what actually went down in Mesa County, but the, uh, the allegation is that uh, Tina Peters allowed an unauthorized individual to use someone else's credentials to access the room. She did this in an effort to preserve election records. She took an image and preserved election records, and then she took an image afterwards, and it was proven that the, the, the trusted build that they did, the software update that they did, wiped those election records. So Tina Peters allegedly allowed somebody unauthorized access into a server room to, um, to preserve election records. In this case, in Maricopa, Karen, I think her name is Karen Passarelli. She's the elections director. 
Over, it starts with a K, it might not be Karen. She's the elections director over uh, Maricopa County elections. She allowed this Brian Ramirez guy, unauthorized to access the room, using somebody else's credentials, not to preserve election records, to delete them. And according to this reporting, they've matched that. They've matched the timestamps of the deletions to when this guy was in the room using unauthorized credentials. Now, Here's where everybody should get really mad. Tina Peters has been raided, has been slandered, demeaned, and defamed. She has had her life turned inside out. She's lost her right to defend herself. They've taken away her concealed carry permit. Um, she has been absolutely destroyed in the 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 public sphere. I mean, I think she's doing fine. She's more popular than ever. But she's been absolutely destroyed in the public sphere for preserving election records. Far as we can tell, this Ramirez guy, nothing. No investigation, no raids. I don't know if he has a daughter, but I don't think they dragged her around by her hoodie. Um, you delete election records in violation of the law, and everybody's going to look the other way, but you preserve election records, and you are, what, domestic terrorist? Is that, I mean, have they gone that far with Tina Peters yet? So it's asymmetrical. It's unjust. It's actually really, really gross. But that's not all that we've got coming out of Arizona. And Mr. Producer, I don't know if we have those videos ready yet. Do we have A7, the Cary Lake video? Yeah, let's go ahead and play that. As we get closer to election day, Republican candidate for governor Kerry Lake is repeating without evidence claims of voter fraud in the upcoming primary. Lake did it again Thursday on KTAR's Mike Broomhead show. I'm not going to clarify. We are on to some things that are uh, very suspicious and possibly illegal, and we're working on it, and I don't want to uh, ruin the investigation. The investigation, as Lake defines it, is limited to her campaign. No complaint is filed to any local, state, or federal law enforcement agencies. We are seeing so far that the system is working, that it's a system um, <laughs> that is highly professionalized. Pain is pleasure, ignorance is strength. The, of State's the system office. is working. U.S. Attorney Gary Restano says the FBI is working with state law enforcement through Arizona's Counterterrorism Information Center to try and find trends and see if there are problems with voting. So far, nothing. I'm the Maricopa County Recorder and I'm in charge of elections here in Maricopa County and it's been hard enough for me to follow some of the conflicting commentary from some of these candidates. Nearly a half million early ballots have been counted in Maricopa County. County Recorder Stephen Richer says, at voting sites and ballot drop boxes, everything is going smoothly, without incident. The reality is it is all safe. The Arizona Secretary of State's office says people responding to its voting incident site online are complaining about using felt-tip pens at voting sites and wanting their ballots hand-counted. Officials say if the Lake campaign knows of voter fraud or voter suppression, it needs to tell law enforcement and not just hint that it's happening. Mark Phillips, ABC 15, Arizona. Okay, pull it down. So I love this. So if you have evidence of election fraud, you need to tell law enforcement. Works out really well for us, doesn't it? 
So they want Carrie Lake to uh, hand over whatever evidence that she has um, to law enforcement. So obviously they can, you know, destroy the evidence and suppress it. Um, or investigate it and, and do their jobs, but I'm not holding my breath. Let's go to uh, A8, please. This is out of 12 News. Beyond irresponsible, Maricopa board chief scorches Carrie Lake over allegations about election. GOP candidate for governor says she has proof of stealing. Board chair Bill Gates, funny name, says if Lake has evidence, she needs to turn it over right away. Why would you turn it over to so we're talking we're talking about Maricopa County election officials the ones that we just talked about with Brian Ramirez deleting evidence admitting to deleting evidence admitted, admitting to using uh, an unauthorized person using false credentials or someone else's credentials to destroy evidence they destroyed evidence that was subpoenaed and intended to be delivered to the Senate auditors but instead they destroyed it and now they're saying Carrie Lake needs to turn over any evidence that she has to them I'm sorry no let's go to a9 Phoenix the chairman of the Maricopa County Board says it's ir beyond irresponsible. It's beyond irresponsible that GOP candidate for governor Carrie Lake is claiming to have proof of election fraud without proving any evidence to back it up. Quote, if they're holding on to information, they need to turn it over right away, end quote. Board chairman Bill Gates said in an interview on this weekend's Sunday Square Off, it's beyond, ir you know what's beyond irresponsible? It's beyond irresponsible to destroy subpoenaed election records before an audit and to obstruct a Senate investigation and to allegedly falsify results and hide additional evidence and hide information that was subpoenaed, information that the Senate team has never received. They went through that entire audit. A lot of those findings of that audit were inconclusive because they never got the information that was subpoenaed because the Maricopa team destroyed it, according to reporting. Let's go to the next cut here, A10. It's beyond irresponsible for a major candidate in the Republican Party to be making these allegations. If they have proof, they need to, to provide it. The 2022 midterm elections will mark Gates' second straight election cycle at the helm of a Republican-controlled county board that oversees the vote in the country's second largest election jurisdiction. The primary is Tuesday. Early voting began July 6th. After Democrat Joe Biden's historic victory in Maricopa County in 2020, county board members were blamed by the Trump White House and fellow Arizona Republicans. The five-member board has dealt with harassment and death threats. Uh, no receipts provided. Lake, whose career as a television news anchor and reporter is her only professional experience. Oh, you mean so she knows narrative and she knows how to read between the lines of what the media is saying? She's a terrible threat to them. Uh, is one of several Donald Trump-endorsed candidates on Arizona's Republican primary ballot who are spreading the lie that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. Uh, and then we'll just go on to A11 here. We're already detecting some stealing going on, Lake told a Republican group last week. She repeated the claim during an interview on Phoenix Radio. The Lake campaign hasn't provided any evidence of wrongdoing. Pull that down for a second. We'll put it back up in just a second. Um, when we did the, this is just an aside, uh, when we did the USEIP canvassing report, we collected hundreds, if not thousands, of affidavits 
um, the elections officials in the counties said, well, you, they must not have any evidence because they haven't handed it over to us. What you have to realize is that we have been trying since November of 2020, and by we, I mean grassroots activists in the local communities, of which I am one, we have been trying to work with local officials. We have gone and presented evidence. We've given them information. We've shown them vulnerabilities. We've shown them all sorts. Every time they double down on the gold system, the, the gold standard, every single time. So you get to the point where you have actual real evidence and the people that you've been providing actual real evidence to and have been looking the other way, have been obstructing, have been, uh, oh, nothing to see here, like on Westworld, that doesn't look like anything to me. Um, those people then say, hey, you must not have any evidence because you haven't given it to us. No, we're not going to give you evidence that you're going to then destroy. We don't trust you. Let me say it again. We don't trust you. Carrie Lake should not and apparently does not trust Maricopa County elections officials. She has real good reason for that because, as we talked about in the first segment, deleting records, unauthorized access into a room, in a room by himself in violation of the statute, and the timestamps of the, de the deleted records match this guy being in the room. But Carrie Lake needs to turn over her evidence? I don't think so. Let's go back to A11. In the 21 months since the presidential election, no credible investigators have pre presented evidence of fraud that would have affected the outcome in Maricopa, Maricopa County. That is false. That is false. There are hundreds of thousands of ballots whose chain of custody is called into question in Maricopa. Everybody that came out after the Maricopa audit and said, oh, Biden got 99 more votes. Oh, the counts matched. Oh, everything is great. And the, these, these uh, auditors and all these election deniers are, you know, in your face. Arizona election was totally accurate. This is a lie. And it's not even a very good one. Because if you watch the Senate uh, hearings, you watch the auditors present their evidence. The count is not an audit. A recount is not an audit. If you have a box of chocolates, and this analogy goes to Hollywood Altitude. I just really like it because I like chocolate. If you have a box of chocolates, and you got 12 in there, there's 12 chocolates. Yum, they look delicious. You bite into one, it's a delicious chocolate. You bite into the next one, yummy nougat or something. You bite into the next one and it's a rock. Chocolate covered rock, but a rock. Keep going a few more chocolates, rocks, cardboard, dog poo, all chocolate covered. But the integrity of the chocolate is very much in question. You have 12 of something in your box, but you don't have 12 chocolates with integrity that you can eat. That's the difference between a recount and an audit. A recount says, yeah, we had 12 pieces of paper and now we still have 12 pieces of paper. The, uh, the audit says, hey, 
there's no chain of custody on these pieces of paper, and those pieces of paper aren't folded the way that they're supposed to be if they're mail-in ballots. And these pieces of paper over here, we don't really know where they came from, but the count is still the same. They want you to believe that the count, and it wasn't, right? The count wasn't the same. It was off by 99 votes. But the count means nothing if you haven't looked at what you're counting, if you haven't looked at the integrity of the ballots that you're counting, if you haven't evaluated the paper, if you haven't evaluated how they're folded, how they're handled. Uh, they talked about the felt pens. You know, using different types of pens can have different outcomes, can push things to adjudication. And we're going to talk a lot about adjudication in just a few minutes as we, as we head into El Paso County. But they're saying here, no credible investigators have, prevent, have presented evidence of fraud that would have affected the outcome in Maricopa County. That is false. It is a lie. And they still want you to believe it. We've seen with our own eyes. Many of the folks here in, in Colorado were workers at the Maricopa audit. But they want you to believe they, they went through that entire audit process with all that obstruction, with deleting records and files rather than handing them over after they were subpoenaed. All of this behavior, oh, but the count matched, when really even, even the count didn't match. All right, let's pull it back up. A11. Biden was the first Democrat pre presidential nominee to win the country, to win the county, sorry, Maricopa County in 52 years. The cost to taxpayers of Arizona Senate, Senate Republicans review and recount of the 2020 vote is approaching $5 million. Um, that needs to be questioned. Uh, are the taxpayers paying for the Arizona audit? Because because I think that that's disputable. With two days to go until Tuesday's primary election, polling, polling shows Lake is the front runner in the Republican primary for governor ahead of Karen Taylor Ro Robson. Taylor Robson is a real estate developer who has spent a record 15 million of her own money on the campaign. So what we've got happening in Maricopa County in advance of tomorrow's primary contest is a popular America First grassroots candidate going up against a, a real estate developer with big, big money who's put big, big money into her uh, uh, campaign, into her own campaign. What do you guys think the outcome is going to be? Guess we'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow, but I, for one, would not be even remotely uh, shocked if they steal it from her. Uh, Hayward in the chat said, I believe Doug Logan remains unpaid for his work on the Arizona forensic audit. I believe that's correct as well. Um, I have had the amazing opportunity of getting to know Doug Logan and, um, and his wife, who I absolutely adore, and they are absolute heroes. They have been attacked in ways that they don't publicize, and so most people have no idea what those incredible American patriots, good God-fearing, incredibly God-fearing, um, just wonderful to talk to and be around. Um, hopefully one day, the, the, the story of all the things that have been done to them by the government 
will be told. Um, so yeah, so tomorrow, tomorrow primary in uh, in Arizona should be interesting. We will definitely, definitely be watching it. So we are going to uh, shift gears now, and we're going to go into El Paso County and talk about what we saw in El Paso County. And we have a candidate for sheriff in El Paso County. Uh, one of the 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 candidates who attempted to challenge but was unable to raise the exorbitant, ridiculous amount of money that they've asked. Um, Todd Watkins, sheriff candidate El Paso County, is on the line. Welcome, Todd. Hey, Ash. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for being with me. Uh, I, I, I like to have a dialogue more than a monologue, so I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> so uh, so um, just, you know, I, I haven't yet gotten into with the audience all the stuff that happened this weekend. Maybe you can give us, go, let's go back to Friday and give a brief recap, uh, a recap for the audience of what we've, what we've encountered down in El Paso County. Just before you do that, El Paso County is unique in Colorado um, in this recount because El Paso County has four candidates that they're recounting. There are three candidates, um, uh, coroner candidate Dr. Rayan Weber, um, clerk and recorder candidate Peter Lupia, state senate candidate Linda Zamora Wilson and Tina Peters are all being recounted in El Paso County. In the other counties they'll just be recounting the one race and so El Paso County is um, first of all it's the largest county in the state of Colorado definitely a, a material uh, county to look at but it's a it's a more complicated process in El Paso County so take us back to Friday when the logic and accuracy testing started and just give the audience an overview of what we've uh, what we've seen. Okay, so first I'll begin with they have the the clerk's office, the elections division is com absolutely confounded by the fact that there were going to be, you know, three ostensibly four races recounted. They did not know what to do. They don't have a playbook for this. I don't I don't believe anybody's actually ever performed a countywide recount in that county. So they were they didn't know what to do and they were on the phone with uh, the Secretary of State's office uh, pretty much the whole day, really taking all their guidance from the Secretary of State's office. So there's just, there's not, what one immediately challenges that office's competency to do what is essentially a required task, statutorily required to uh, conduct recounts when somebody, somebody uh, requests one, ponies up the money to do this, but they, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, the uh, the logic and accuracy test uh, began Friday. They anticipated it taking you know a couple three hours to run the the test ballots through the seven Dominion machines or, or scanners, Dominion scanners that they were going to use to conduct this recount. And we don't really understand why this would be required, but the logic and accuracy test the uh, the granularity of the scanner was adjusted to I'm just I don't know if this is actually how what it's called but to kind of a super fine setting it would pick it would also send to adjudication all of the undervotes and and uh, and blank blank ballots blank spaces 
on so let me let me stop you there yeah so let me stop you there so the the recount is seven tabulators they're using seven tabulators yeah. we don't know how they got to seven is that right I, I believe I, I heard that yep. the, they have 10 in the county and they chose seven. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, so I believe, I want to say, I want to say it's the same seven that were used for the primary race. They didn't use all 10 for the primary election. And I, I pretty good source says that it's the same seven. Yeah, and what what's really interesting, when I was observing batches of ballots, and I wrote about this last night on ashinamerica.com. If you guys haven't seen it, please go check it out. There's, there's, uh, we're going to go through some of the videos that are in there. But um, what I observed was that the stickers on the labels were the same tabulator. So they were running as part of the audit, right, or the recount. They're running yeah. the same... Not just using the same tabulators that they used during the primary, but they're running the same batches through the same tabulator. So there was the one um, election judge that I was observing that I, I put in my article, the guy with the mask, he was on tabulator number 80, if I'm not mistaken. And all of his labels for the secondary label count were already filled out with you know the date and his name and, and number 80 for the, the tabulator number. What's interesting is that the original labels, and uh, I think, Mr. Producer, if you could pull up that, that picture again that you had up just a second ago, and if you would zoom into where his hands are, I kind of tried to magnify it, but I still don't think it's big enough. Um, uh, oh, this is my article. Yeah, so uh, I think if you scroll down that picture, we can actually make it bigger. Um, but so, so, on, so he's got the same tabulator number on the June 23rd label as he has on the July 31st. So they both say 80. So they're running those batches through the same tabulator. I didn't realize this until after I'd already published my article last night and I thought, huh, that's really interesting because I would think the recount would give more confidence and more assurance to the people who are relying on its integrity if they ran those batches through not totally different tabulators, but just a different tabulator that was used on the primary. Still use the same seven tabulators that were used in the primary, but mix up the batches so they're not going through the same right. tabulator, right? If, you're, if your uh, hypothesis or concern or conspiracy theory is that there's some sort of manipulation happening inside of the machines running the same batches of ballots through the same machines doesn't lend a lot of credibility. Uh, am I off base there? No, no. I mean, we, we we didn't want this machine count anyway. We wanted a manual recount. Uh, but right. they're, they're using a tortured reading of statute that they're required to conduct this recount by the same uh, method uh, as, as the original. Um, that's not exactly true. There's there's discretion built in <laughs> into that statute, but they're saying they have to, they have no choice, which is kind of what they've done throughout this is, oh, we have to, we have no choice. That's that's really not been true on a lot of things. When, when they rejected the partial payments, for those of us that tried to put some money forward and then, you know, gather the rest of it later, but this exorbitant and abusive uh, amount that they, that they conjured up, by the way, they said, oh, we're not, we can't take this. Uh, we can't take a partial payment. And when I asked, well, a few of us, <laughs> we asked for, 
a written statement saying that they were rejecting our, our attempt to make a, a payment, they went and called Jenna Griswold and came yeah. back and said, yeah, the Secretary of State says we can't. So they're, they're kicking a lot of this to the Secretary of State's office. Well, and they're the Secretary of State's office is there, the, the, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, Caleb Thornton, that, arrived, Caleb Thornton arrived on Friday. Uh, yeah, it, 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 later in the afternoon on Friday, and that was after their, their logic and accuracy test was anything but logical and accurate and produced you know, exponentially more adjudicated uh, or ballots for adjudication than they anticipated. They didn't. They didn't anticipate. You know, two thousand two hundred sixty-eight to be referred for adjudication. They were expecting a fraction of that. Um, my understanding is in the original uh, LNA test that they did prior. You know, before the primary was was rolled out back. This would have been back in May. Uh, I think they had something like eight. <laughs> and for adjudication, and mind you, they already know this is a test, a test deck. They yeah. created the test deck, and they know what the answer is. They they make a test, they write the an- the questions, and they already know what the answer is to be, so that they know that it's it's doing what they expected. This did anything but what they expected, and then right. they come back and say, "Oh, it was one hundred percent accurate," according to Chuck Borman yesterday. And it's the same test deck that they used during the primary. So again, as Todd said, they changed the parameters because, and this is this isn't something that they did, you know, to to, you know, raise shenanigans. It's a statutory requirement that during a recount you have to count the undervotes. Um, so you have to look at every undervote because in a recount you you know you want to you want to look at intent. But it's the same test deck that they used. So what this means is if they had you know like you said a, a rate of eight. Uh, ballots go to adjudication or even if it was you know a couple hundred ballots that went to adjudication what we're expected to believe now is in in making the parameters more sensitive to catch every single undervote that meant almost 60 percent of ballots uh, were were adjudicated right correct Okay, and so we know from oh my gosh from uh, from Dominion training videos where uh, you know they they talk about adjudication and they talk about their uh, on their ballot marking devices how they have that massive library of squiggle marks and 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 machine machine marks they can make to make them look like hand marks to the naked eye. We know that adjudication is a really important part of the architecture of fraud because adjudication allows you to take, now when I first reported, it allows you to take ballots out of the the regular scan and apply some additional judgment, apply a second set of eyes to them. When I originally wrote about this on Friday um, with the logic and accuracy test, I, my, my headline, and I went on to make the, the content in the article clearer uh, after I was, I was rebuked. Um, but my headline is, the high ballot rejection rate means the machines are working. I was called by several sources, re- you know, really good, really good people in clerk's offices who are so committed to the truth and accuracy saying it's not rejection. It wasn't a high ballot rejection rate. 
It was a rate to adjudication. That doesn't mean the ballot was rejected. It just means it needs a second set of eyes. So there's something on that ballot that requires a second set of eyes. All right. I'll, I, I, as I said, I adjusted the, the language in the article to, um, to, uh, to reflect adjudication rather than rejection. But it's a semantic situation because what we're really talking about is you scan the ballots through, right? The reason we have to use these machines is because people processes are going to take too long and there's no way we can count this many ballots without machines, but 60% of them need to be looked at by people? Seems a bit weird. It kind of argues for count, doesn't it? It really does. The other thing that I find amazing about this and I don't know if there's any additional light you can shed on what's going on with the, the um, what I think is price gouging <laughs> effort in this effort, oh, yeah. is that every candidate was required in their estimate to pay $10,000 to the Dominion representative. From what we see, there's one Dominion representative. So this guy's getting $250 an hour from four different candidates. He's making $1,000 an hour to sit in a room next to the counting room in case something goes wrong. The other thing is they're recounting all the ballots. So as we're watching these ballots scan through for four Republicans on the four Republican primaries, or on the Republican primary ballot, we're seeing all these Democrat ballots go through. They're recounting right. all the ballots. So it's not like we have yep. to separate out the ones that we have to do. We have to, you know, there's so much, uh, the, the, the cost of this is going to be so high because there's so much separation we have to do to support these four races. They're rescanning every ballot. Yeah, it's actually taking them more time to, to deselect the races that they're not counting. They could have literally left all the races selected and just scanned them that way. There's there's no there's no reason there's no reason for this at all. Um, also, when uh, Ron Hanks and Tina Peters originally requested their recount, uh, their estimate that they got from uh, El Paso counties they have to send the bid out to to all the counties. Their estimate for doing the same thing by and they would have been counting the exact same amount of ballots as they were all there for the Republican primary. Uh, was eight thousand five hundred and some change. So, you know, add add uh, thirteen days to that because we we got our bid on uh, the twenty sixth. It increased by you know twelve thousand some odd hundred dollars. So that's wow. that's a that's a hell of an inflation rate. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if this is so. So the thing to import the the, the important thing to remember about. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. Tina Peters is absolutely a hero, and and we're gonna talk about her in just a second. But these th these these three other candidates are, uh, as I as I understand it, and I was you know close to these guys uh, throughout the campaign. They're friends. I consider all three of them friends. Um, they didn't raise a ton of money. 
They didn't put out no. ad, a whole bunch of ads. They weren't constantly hawking, we need money to be able to beat so-and-so. Instead, they were in the community. They were knocking on doors and talking to people and pitching themselves. They were having events. Uh, the El Paso County Grassroots Ground Game is amazing. It is tip of the spear for Colorado, certainly, and for the nation. These candidates didn't have, I, I don't think Ray Ann, Dr. Ray Ann Weber raised money at all up until last night, I no, think she, is the first time oh, she said she needed some help with fees. Yeah, yeah, she was she was entirely self funded. So she self funded this, this recount. Um, we we know that they they jacked this thing up to twenty twenty thousand eight hundred nineteen dollars and eighty seven cents. They they did that for the express purpose of uh, denying us the ability to do it. They I think they might have thought that well maybe one of them will get through. Uh, yeah. But no, three of them got through, and I don't think that they expected Tina to come up with the, uh, what was it, quarter mil thereabouts yeah. for hers? Well, yeah. She did, and now they're panicked, man. They are panicked, uh, and especially in El Paso County, so much so that Jenna sent her attorney to hang out in that room. Yeah. You can tell who he is. He's masked. <laughs> well, there's a few of them in there in masks, but yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's we're talking you can tell about who so they again, are they're rescanning all the ballots, right? And so the Secretary of State yeah. wanted to charge not just Tina Peters, but Ron Hanks a quarter of a million dollars each. Right? So Tina Peters gets her recount. She she's able to come up with the money. There should be no additional cost to re to recount Hanks's race because again they're rescanning all of the ballots. They're both statewide races. They have to happen in all sixty four counties. Right. If you're doing it for Tina Peters, you can do it for Ron Hanks just as easy. But they're not going to allow that because they're price gouging. And quite frankly, it looks like they're double dipping on a lot of these fees and that they're making these exorbitant costs to obstruct. One of the things that um, I heard, I think it was Peter Lupia say at your event last night, is that they have never done this for four candidates, a recount for four candidates no. in a county before. They don't know the procedure. There is no standard procedure for this. They are making it up as they go along, right? That's, that's, right. that's what we're hearing. And yet... Mm -hmm. They are like they've obstructed so much that there was originally nine candidates, eight or nine candidates in El Paso County. Can you imagine what would have happened if they were trying to do this with eight or nine candidates? If four breaks it so bad? Uh, tired of feeling like someone's always watching on the internet. Maybe advertisers know a little too much about you. IP Vanish is a solution for you. You can use IP Vanish on your, your computer, tablets, phones. You can use it on multiple devices at the same time without sacrificing speed. Um, they're for you. And, and here's the thing it, it, it blocks advertisers, hackers, um, your ISP, third parties from getting access to information to you, uh, blocks people from getting access to your passwords. All the data is encrypted. And for our listeners, you can get 70% off their yearly plan for listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. It's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button. A disclaimer, if you are using things, True Social, you have to turn off the VPN. If you are using things like uh, vMix, uh, Chevy apps, or things like that. So there are some things that does need a dedicated IP, um, and it recognizes that. So just keep that in mind. So go to ipvanish.com daily, use promo code daily, and save your 70% off.
Yeah, it, it it sounds like you're just really conducting the election all over again. I, and uh, I, yeah, I, I don't, and quadruple I don't know dipping really on the fees. What, what, what's that? I said and you're conducting the entire recount over again, and you're quadruple dipping on the fees. Yeah, exactly, precisely. I mean, they, they, we we've 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 got a a, le- a legal team. There have been. You know, a lawsuit's been filed. I know this morning uh, a motion to stay this recount uh, was uh, was served on the clerk's office. I I, th- I I don't know if it was served on uh, on uh, Griswold's office also, but for for sure here in El Paso County, um, yeah, I, I think we've got a lot a lot of salient points to to make about this. They don't know what they're doing. This has not generated any sort of trust or faith in this system. And you're you're Quite the forcing us to, to quadruple pay for the exact same process that we have no faith in. If yeah. we're paying for it, let us let us have the manual recount. Give us the paper. Let us do the manual re- recount. Well, and it, it's it, not why are just, you afraid? Of- it's not just faith, Todd. We've got some real concerns based on what we we've observed yeah. just uh, just so far, Mr. Producer. Do we have those videos? Mm-hmm. Of uh, of El Paso County, we got one of them. Um, the other ones wouldn't go into VMix. Based uh, off of okay, there. all right. So if you want to see uh, what the video that I captured and the team that I was with captured yesterday, I published an article last night uh, on AshInAmerica.com. I published the Daily Redress this morning, so it'll be the second article down. Um, but you can see those videos. So in those videos, I'm gonna just gonna describe. Uh, with we do have one. Let's go ahead and play the one we have. I have no idea which one it is. Okay, so I have pictures to corroborate this. Oh, this is a good one. This guy is uh, counting ballots. The box, again, was empty on the top, but he just filled it in. Just wrote in a number on the tag. See, now he's writing in the second one, but he just wrote it on the top one as well, which has to be a chain of custody violation. And we got it on tape. So, um, these these ballots, and can you put up that picture again, the zoomed-in picture to his hands? I want everybody to understand what they're looking at. So at the top, uh, the top, if you're, you know, sitting where this guy is and looking, top left is the date. The next number over where you can see the number 80, that's the tabulator. The next number down is the batch number. I think this one says 56. Sorry, it's so blurry. And then there's a box. That box is labeled number of sheets. That's the number of ballots that's in that batch. Each um, each manila envelope contains a batch of ballots, and there's multiple batches inside of each box. So that box, as you can see, that top date, you can't read it, but I have clearer pictures of it, and you can see it on, uh, on the article I put out last night. But that date is June 23rd, 2022, on the top label. And you can see here... The box, the number of sheets is empty. We witnessed this guy. So the bottom label then has the same information, right? The bottom label, the date is 731. It's yesterday. Ideally, the two, the information on the two labels would match, except for potentially the tabulator number if they were changing them up, but they're not, so those should match. The date should be different, and potentially the signature of the election judge. I think it would be odd if it was the same election judge doing each batch. But the batch number and the number of ballots should match. You can see here that the June 23rd batch label 
on the outside of the batch documentation, which is signed by an election judge, is empty. Right? I raised it. You can pull this down. I, I raised that. I, I said, that's really strange. What are they comparing it to? What are they comparing the top number to the bottom number? I asked Steve Schleicher, who was there as a, he's a candidate, he's running against Peter Lupia for county clerk and recorder. He was there observing the process as well. There was nobody else that was in that room that was outside of the room. And so I asked him, I said, hey, I'd snapped a picture of the empty box. I said, hey, what do you think about this? Is this, what's the control here? And he said, his eyes, you know, got kind of big and he goes, oh, that's really interesting. Let me go in and ask an official. Never came back out. Sat down at his Go table, figure. smiled and laughed with everybody in there. We never got an answer. But what happened, so if you go back to that tabulator 80 and that election judge, in any box that he did, you will find envelopes with blank boxes on the top. He wasn't filling them in. After I asked that question, he started filling out both the top and the bottom. And I wish we had the videos because you can see it. I've got him filling them both out. The June 23rd label, filling it out. It is on ashenamerica.com. But, you know, and, and I want to be clear, these labels that are on the outside of the batch documentation, we can't find them in statute. This may be county procedure. It may be, um, you know, an over and above control that these guys have put in place. But it's a signed record of what's in that batch envelope. And the signed record of what's in that batch envelope on June 23rd was modified on July 31st, and we caught that on video. So how are, and then they say, oh, there's no, why don't you guys have faith in the process? Why don't you trust us? We also have broken seals on, on boxes. The seal actually yeah. ripped through the handle. We have this on, on video as well. Um, it's in the, the article, there's a more detailed video on my Telegram as well. Um, the, the, the blue seals, they have these like zip tie seals. They go through the slot on the box, through the handle, and they seal the lids onto the boxes. These seals are numbered, these blue seals. So we notice as we're observing, one of these seals has ripped through the box handle, which should be really hard to do. Even if you're handling that box a lot, ripping the entire box handle should be really hard to do. Linda Zamora Wilson, election uh, candidate and one of the observers and, and um, judges in there, points it out. Hey, this uh, handle is broken and this box is effectively open. The top just flaps up and on one side. So what do they do? They pull it down, cut the label, which was really unnecessary at that point because it had already ripped through the entire box, and just replaced it with a different lid and a different zip tie. It says in the statute, and I quote the statute in my article, it says in the statute that if the seal is broken, you have to investigate and you have to report it to the Secretary of State. But we observed them. Yeah. They took the lid off. They said, oh, look, this is a bat sheet. Stuck it back in, closed it up, put a new lid on. No harm, no foul. Carry on. Yeah, they, they should have had, they, they, that should have triggered an, in, uh, an inventory of that box. Verify right. that. What 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 is in that box is what the inventory label says that it wasn't you know molested right obviously it was if if, if the if the thing is broken open you would have to verify that the contents were not uh, disturbed or changed you know there's more in there there's less in there or you know that that's how you would that's how you should do that 
uh, at, at the very the very best case scenario, all of these uh, you know chains of custody issues illustrate just a very lax, careless, almost ignorant um, understanding of, of what that means to maintain secure custody of something. Um, of course, in the worst, it's absolutely intentional, and this is uh, fraud being committed right out in the open. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand spider. how modifying whether or not that label. So, uh, you know, I'm at like, oh well, there's papers in the in the envelope, and as long as the papers match, it's fine, and the label is meaning meaningless. That's what I believe they will argue, right? Because there are there are batch counts in in the envelope, but why have the labels at all? Why have right. two? as a comparison to each other, why have them signed by an election judge if they're not important? And I know that preparing, preparing yourself, your family, making sure that you're able to take care of yourself as the times evolve, uh, I'll remind everyone that you can go to DCF Guns. If you go to DCFGuns.com, you can find all of the locations. They have the Castle Rock location, as well as two down in Colorado Springs, east and west. If you go to dcfguns.co, it will take you to their online store, and you can find a ton of awesome stuff on there. Go get training. Go arm yourselves. Get ammo. Get the things you need. Uh, so that's dcfguns.co. I can't think of I any... Any I could see the two labels. It would put the first label would be, you know, the one where that that batch was initially created, and then if you oh, if you're going to manipulate that batch, take it out, rescan it, put it back in, you would want another label on there. Say on this date, uh, we verified the contents again. You know, we yep. took we took it out, we put it back in. That's 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 a chain of custody. But the you don't <laughs> if the initial label doesn't have doesn't verify the contents, and that's a useless, meaningless label that you're now reverse engineering. Why? That's very, very suspicious. Well, right, because we're talking about a recount, right? And what what we saw is they ran the bat. There's no count on the outside of the envelope. There's There might be one on the inside of the, of the envelope. But in several of the videos that I really wish we had uh, pulled up, um, he modifies that top box before the ballots even go through the machine. So he's just trusting that whatever the, the count page says is there. He doesn't, he doesn't wait. I maintain he should, not, he should not alter a label that's dated June 23rd any day after the original label is signed. Right? As soon as that documentation is signed, that should not be modified again. That in every other industry in the world is fraud. Um, but, you know, in elections, it's totally fine because this is a gold standard and there's nothing to see here. Right. So, so you brought up Steve Schleicher. And, yes, he is a candidate. Uh, he's, he was uh, uh, Pete Lupia's uh, opponent in this primary for, you know, for the GOP primary. But he is also the current sitting county assessor in his office is at the end of the hall that you were, you were in yesterday. So he just, you know, kind of walks back and forth from his office down there to, to watch this recount. And um, he's running to replace, uh, he's termed out as the assessor. Chuck Borman, the current clerk, is termed out, and he is now the nominee for uh, treasurer. So they're all just literally moving offices moving within, chairs. That, within that building. 
Now, you know, this election and the subsequent recount that, that we've asked for, these are supposed to be fair and impartial. I don't, I don't understand how anything of this could be perceived as fair or impartial when you have the, ele- the designated election official for this election is actually seeking office, and all of his close colleagues and people that he endorsed and who endorsed him for their respective races are the current nominees. They, they all have a vested interest. There's just conflict of interest uh, abounds in this. Every single person who, you know, su- supposedly won this primary is a current sitting county official, just moving right. moving down the, uh, the hall. And, and that brings up the other, the other, you know, less tangible, right? We're talking, pub- I'm, I'm talking about public sentiment. But to believe the outcome of this primary... If, especially in El Paso County, where the officials down there have been on the hot seat since November. They are some of the most unpopular politicians in the state. And you have to believe, to believe the results of this primary, you have to believe that the people don't want change, that the people are happy with the status quo, that the people want the people in the county assessor's building to just switch chairs because they're all doing such a great job that the people voted to keep things as they are when everything you see with your eyes and ears and what you experience in the community tells you the exact opposite. We are almost out of time, Todd. I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, you, you, you said it perfectly. I, I know I, I said that at... Uh essentially the same thing at one of one of our other gatherings i think last week that there there are only two ways to look at this this election and the outcome is either a this accurately reflects the voice of the people here that you don't want change you're totally happy with the status quo you love this dynasty because that's what it is or this is completely bs that this was this was a complete theft an absolute theft so it's it's one or, it's one or the other. Yeah, they can't both coincide. They it can't be they, a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. Yeah, really, it's uh, it's it's really something. Um, so Todd, if you stick with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pray. We are just about out of time uh, yeah. at the top of the hour. Um, but thank you so much for being with me. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us, and uh, then we'll let you go. Father God, thank you for the ability to come into your presence. Thank you that you care about the details, macro and micro, that you're in it all. And thank you, Lord, that we know that you are doing a very big thing in El Paso County, in Maricopa County, and in our states, and in our nation, and in the world. People are waking up to to corruption and deceit and to the lies and it all points back to the author of lies and you have already defeated him lord and we are just so unbelievably blessed we bring you all the glory all the honor and all the praise lord and we ask that our first priority will be to stay in the center of your will and to bring about your kingdom father god i lift up this recount To you today in the state of Colorado, in all 64 counties, I ask that you will bind the demons and they will flee, that you will confuse the tactics of enemies who are opposed to the truth, 
and that you will allow the people to see justice, to have faith and belief in our governing institutions again, but that that comes with exposure and that we root out the evil that has kept the American people in bondage for so long. Father, we know that this is one fight on one battlefield and that you're fighting on millions of them every second. And that's why we give it all to you, God. We know that you will, you will deliver this. You will bring about the truth. And we're just so, so grateful to be on the side of truth during this effort, Father God. We ask you to guide our steps. We ask you to condition and regulate our words. We ask that you help us to be above reproach during this process and that the truth is revealed. We bring you all the glory, honor, and praise, Father God, and we ask these things, let them be so, in the name, the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Todd, Thanks, thank Ash. you so much. Absolutely. I'm sure I'll be talking to you later today as I'm trying to get updates on these recounts happening all over the state. So thank you so much for being with us this morning, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. See you. All right. So, elections. Elections have consequences, and stolen elections have catastrophic consequences, as Steve Bannon says. We're feeling catastrophic consequences. More than half the country doesn't believe that Joe Biden was elected legitimately, and that grows as we see inconceivable results coming out on primaries all over the nation. It started in Georgia with Candace Taylor, and we're seeing it play out over and over and over again. We'll certainly be watching tomorrow uh, when, when Arizona's primary takes place, and this afternoon on the evening show, we'll be speaking about Michigan's primary, which is uh, taking place tomorrow as well. You'll remember Michigan is the one that released the uh, primary results a couple weeks early before the primary took place, and then said, "Oh, we were just testing." So we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna debunk that tonight. You want to debunk some stuff? We're gonna debunk the uh, narrative on Michigan's primary results being released early tonight. So be sure to stay tuned and or to tune in for that. Again, if you have not yet texted FREEDOM to 89517, please do. You're going to want to see this. We're, uh, we're putting out content every single day. We're holding our, uh, our federal elected officials accountable every single day. And you can be part of that. Uh, there is a, a nominal fee for the service, but if you join CD membership, you can contact your representative and senators every single day with the touch of a button redress your grievances, get in the habit of it. If you don't uh, do it through conservative daily, still do it. Still contact your, uh, your representative and your two senators at a minimum every single day. They need to hear from you. We talk a lot on this show about getting in the gap. You cannot be in the gap if you're being silent and not using your voice. I'm not saying you gotta get on, get on the screen or you know blow up your life, but you gotta, you got to live in the truth, and you have to uh, 
you got to hold these people accountable. In America, we are the government. This self-governance experiment is on a, 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 a rocky future if we don't stand up, get in the gap, and take it back. And that's what we're about on this show. That's what we're about in, uh, in the Colorado grassroots. You can see it uh, in El Paso most profoundly. I'm so proud of those guys. Uh, I, ha I have nothing to do with this. I'm just watching the people take off and show off, and it's amazing. And um, yeah, so get in the gap. We uh, will be back at, at 4 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Eastern this evening to talk about the, uh, the primaries happening tomorrow. So tune in. Until then, God bless everyone. If you want to watch Conservative Daily Podcast, we go live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, on Rumble, on Frank's Beach, where we go live on Lindell TV 2 at those same times, on DLive, and now on Odyssey. You can also find our episodes at brighteon.com. Make sure you also check out the link in the description to go to the Brighteon store and prepare you and your family with the awesome storable food and other products that they have there. You can find us on the audio edition at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible, and everywhere else. Make sure you go and give us a five-star review and be that ambassador of truth. Share this episode with everyone who needs to hear it. Text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and we'll shoot you a text message when we're about to go live. Check out the description for our link to the daily newsletter so you get access to the fax blasts. We want to thank you for being a listener of Conservative Daily Podcast as we pursue truth and fight to restore our nation. We will continue to provide you with the most important information that the mainstream media will not show you. Now at conservative-daily.com, you have the option to become a member with us. Each membership option varies in access and discounts in regards to the ability to interact with the daily fax blasts, monthly savings, access to extra content, and interactions with the hosts and guests of the show. Go to conservative-daily.com and become a member right now for as little as $10 a month. Make sure you check out social media and find us everywhere at Conservative Daily and at Joel Oltman. We'll see you next time on Conservative Daily Podcast. It's time to do the hard work. Let's take our country back, patriots. God bless America.